It's all right. Thanks for um, shitbagging my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Never. It's fine. No, Never. I was... I respect your passion, and uh, we're on the same page. It's you know, you're, I, t- if it makes you feel any better, you are not the first one that this is happening to me with. Welcome to the Matt Report, the number one WordPress business podcast. This isn't geek speak; it's about the journey of success and failure as a WordPress entrepreneur. Get ready; you're just an episode away from your next aha experience or big idea. And now your host, Matt. Hey everybody, welcome back uh, to Matt Report, episode 56, and today I had a chance to sit down with James Schranko from superfastbusiness.com. He's out of Australia, and I heard him on another podcast, and he was mentioning building out WordPress websites really cheap, really quick, without much fanfare, without much thought to you know scaling the site and security and things like that, and I guess I might have taken him slightly out of context as I left the message on, I left the comment on this particular podcast and he reached out to me and said, no, look, you, you, mis- you mistook me. I really do care about design, about developing things properly and scaling and things like that. But I was just saying it was a, WordPress has a real low barrier to entry and you know, that's kind of where he was going with that. So we connected and we're doing this podcast together today. He's going to air the same exact podcast uh, on his site and I'm going to air uh, it here and you're going to hear us talk about what it takes to build a great WordPress website for conversions, for speed, for scale, for e-commerce, for marketing. Sort of, James does the same thing. Uh, He's running his WordPress shop uh, out in Australia and doing very well at it. So you're going to get a a different take for somebody who's sort of not really in the WordPress community in the sense uh, like we all are going to WordCamps, going to uh, meetups and, and developing plugins. Um, but he's, he definitely uses WordPress as a tool uh, in his business and uh, does a great job at it. So let's, uh, let's look forward to some great tips and advice here from somebody who does really well with affiliate sales and marketing and, and stuff like that. Uh, other news around uh, the Report: the pro version is slowly coming together, and you'll be hearing some more uh, details on that next week. And uh, we'll resume our typical uh, podcast of talking to other WordPress uh, business owners and developers and designers and all that fun stuff. Uh, don't forget to join the mailing list, mattreport.com slash subscribe, so you know when that comes out. Uh, and uh, launch a new uh, theme on the site, so go ahead and take a look at that. It's called Socialize. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to see different on the site. Should I have some kind of resource page that uh, you know all these little details should uh, funnel down to? What is it that's missing? I was also thinking forums, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, either using private forums, membership forums, what do you think uh, you'd find value from? Uh, MattReport.com slash subscribe and find me on iTunes. Loving all the five-star reviews. Thanks, everybody, for doing that. So without further ado, on to episode 56. Okay, James here from superfastbusiness.com and also have Matt here from MattReport.com and we are going to be talking about websites today, Matt. Absolutely, James. This is the first ever, I think, for the entire internet to do a simultaneous recording, some kind of doppelganger podcast action going on. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so we should talk about how we met. It was uh, an unusual circumstance, but mm-hmm. quite often that is the way. I was invited to be a podcast guest on Jamie Tardy's show. And somewhere in the conversation, she asked me, what's changed from when I went online and I answered something to the effect of that it's just become a lot 
cheaper and easier for people to go online. And somewhere in the comments, uh, you you said you agreed with everything I said in the podcast, but you vehemently uh, disagree with uh, getting online cheap and easy. And I was like, <laughs> I was so taken aback because I'm like, dude, that's not my stance on it. I was just answering the question about yeah. it, and I felt somewhat. Uh, uh, taken out of context so I tracked you down from your discuss uh, <laughs> profile and commented to you and say hey Matt you know like I- I'm on the same side I really you know with my Mercedes Benz background and the fact that we are WordPress developers uh, I'm totally for having quality websites and one of the things that that I think is um, even more noticeable now is as Google start hiding their keywords the one thing that you really can own is your brand and your name and I've noticed there's a huge spike in search traffic coming to the sites with direct inquiries and that is because uh, certainly in our case and it, and it really looks like with you as well, with your brand, that you put a little more effort into the logos and the, the brand meaning and uh, people start searching for you by brand and that's that's the space you want to take and when they get there, you really want to delight them. So we're going to be talking about what would someone find when they go to your website, right? Mm, correct. Yeah. And just real quick, I think I was on like a six mile jog when I, when I, when I heard those, uh, when I heard the podcast and I was just like, no, I have to get home faster so I can send James an email and say, let's not do things the cheap way. Um, although I totally, now that we've connected and, and we've kind of hashed things out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're on the same page. One of the things that is the reason why I take that stuff so much to heart, just like you do, having your own WordPress shop is we have a WordPress shop and, and we're building WordPress themes and selling WordPress themes. And there's a lot of, of stuff, right, that goes into this and time, effort, money. Um, and, you know, it's it's tough when when we see clients who just, you know, rip things off the cuff with some with some cheap free themes or themes that they, you know, find in Google that have malware <laughs> installed into it. So we pay close attention uh, to the detail of the code of the design um, and then supporting the folks. And that's super important in the WordPress world just because there's so much out there that we try to stress that we want folks to pick the good stuff, um, no matter what it is, but well, there, just, just pick There the is a lot of WordPress. I think, what is it, 25% of all the world's websites? Yeah, are it's WordPress climbing up now. there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. So it's not hard to find a WordPress theme, but it's actually uh, harder to find one that is a really good theme. Mm-hmm. So in our, in our WordPress shop, we work off Genesis. We've mm-hmm. found that that's a nice, stable, clean sort of base to build on. And when we do custom designs, we usually will wrap it around that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you guys do there. Yeah, we, so we take a different approach. So we have clients who will approach us and they'll come to us with Genesis and they'll say, can you help us either take this to the next level or build some kind of you know, unique function like e-commerce or some kind of like web app thing that they want on top of it. Uh, but if we're starting from scratch uh, with a fresh client uh, who's coming to us for designer uh, development services, we will just use uh, straight code that we've just built from scratch, right? Not, we're not using a, a framework or a, or a theme to build from. We're literally starting from scratch because of either performance reasons, um, you know, caching reasons, or just, you know, they don't need all the other overhead of StudioPress and all that added function because they're never going to use it. Um, they just want us to build it, to build it the way they want it, um, and just have a custom solution for them. Nice. One of the things we found um, handy is to send training <laughs> oh, yeah. after we build a site to reduce down that 
the sort of customer service drag that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few funny things that uh, we could talk about having WordPress shops that probably aren't that interesting to most others. But one of the ones that always fascinates me is how a job can tend to have scope creep. It can, it's like it's very hard to close off a website development job unless you're quite firm in the beginning about what's actually included and, and when the end of the job actually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, that uh, when I go to WordCamps, uh, which are like larger WordPress meetups for maybe folks who don't know, um, that's actually one of my talks is running a WordPress business and contracts. It's all about that. And, you know, these folks who are starting out, they don't realize it at first, but once they get a couple of clients under their belt and then they get a bigger client and all of a sudden scope creep, you know, takes them from, oh, I thought you were just doing, you know, like a six product e-commerce and then you realize they have 6,000 products and they want you to (laughs) inventory it and put it up online for them and you're like whoa 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 like I don't do this and they're they're looking at you going yeah you do you're building the website and nowhere in the negotiations was that hashed out nowhere in the contract does it say it Um, so yeah definitely putting in you know what the uh, requirements are and the expectations are uh, early on definitely so in order for us to avoid the uh, dreaded, uh, I've just got this one small change uh, request that quite often comes, uh, you know, we bake in the things that are important. So we should sort of rattle off a checklist, I think, of the things that someone would look for in a site. Yep. And um, right off the, the top there, one of the things that seems to be uh, certainly more important, especially f- for search engine optimization and for conversions, mm-hmm. making a website really sales friendly is speed Mm -hmm. and that seems to have become a lot more important in the last year or two yeah the uh you know speed of the site is super important because now not only is it on the desktop uh, or your imac it is now on your iphone your android device hell it's going to be on your watch pretty soon it's going to be in your google glass so you're going to have finite network speeds to work with um and faster the better and i mean you you probably know this better than I, but optimizing for Google is just so, it's not easy because I, I run sites through their speed tests all the time. And it's like, I can't get them above 90 out of a hundred because they're, they're just like so fanatic with what they want you to either shrink down or minimize or uh, compress. And it's just like, wow, there's, there's no pleasing uh, Google a hundred percent yet for me anyway. Yeah. And the chances are that um, there's going to be a lot of things that that can be done that your average person's going to miss, exactly. especially getting those images to load really fast, but without degrading the way that they look. Right. And, um, like how, and how, how, do you thing, tell, how do you tell a normal person to like, you know, you know, minify your JavaScript, like any business owner running a WordPress site, they're, they're going to be like, what the hell is that? I don't even know what that means. Like, what is that? Exactly. You know, it's not well, fair. We've had an obsession with speed in the last six months because one of the huge shifts we did is um, migrate our servers away from a hosting company that was annoying us. And our development server is so fast now that when we were handing over jobs, the customer would go, hey, why is my site so slow? <laughs> we're like, uh, because your host sucks. Right. <laughs> so we we actually started a hosting package now where people can be hosting on the same server as us, which is a very powerful dedicated server. But we've actually gone to the next stage and we've been hooking up our server with the memcached and getting it as optimized as we can for WordPress mm-hmm. and then making the site correspond with that by um, tuning in the plugins to, to start drawing from the, the faster stream, so to speak. 
yeah. and then cleaning up all the janky code and making sure the plugins talk. Right. Um, there are servers out there that are designed just for WordPress and that are fast, but they don't let you have some things on there, which doesn't suit every single custom installation because some people need certain plugins to do what they need to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, manage WordPress hosting um, is sort of the keyword for that. And yeah, there there are folks out there like a WP Engine, um, sort of probably being the most popular one. And they don't they don't allow you to have every single plugin. Um, and you know they they kind of watch over that. And it's a little bit more pricier, right? But not every four dollar WordPress hosting account is equal. <laughs> uh, you know, you <laughs> and it's almost certainly not. Like uh, a lot of those ones will tell you what to do, um, whereas uh, we're doing stuff like doing it for the customer because exactly. like your average business owner doesn't really want to be playing around updating plugins and backing up and right. um, checking for security hacks. Right. So speed's important. It's, it should be a focus these days. It definitely gets a reward if it loads fast in, in just in pure conversions. People don't want to wait. And as you mentioned, people are multi-screening mm -hmm. and and. If you're in a you know mainstream town, you might take for granted a reasonable internet speed. But uh, being a bit of a, a traveler, uh, I can assure our listener that internet speeds are not strong in many parts of the world. And it's quite often I'll be traveling and I'll find a speed of like a 1 Mbps or mm -hmm. 2 Mbps in a hotel or in a regional area. So there's a lot of users out there on the internet. And I was one of them for about three years with internet so slow that I could actually see the cascading style sheet of Facebook load. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how slow my like I could not watch a YouTube video without it buffering sort of slow levels. So uh, I could see my site though. So that, that nice. was really the test. Nice. Let's talk about usability. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So usability, uh, you know, personally landing on the site, once they get to the site and it, you know, loads fast, comes up either on their iPad or their desktop, that they actually can navigate the site properly, right? So that they can, they can find your blog feed, they can find your social links, they can find your about page. Um, if it's an e-commerce site, they can buy your product. Um, I was on a because uh, it's Thanksgiving here in the States and today's Black Friday with all the big deals going on. And I was on a Black Friday tech site today ordering a new hard drive <laughs> and the site was terrible, but they had like the best price on this hard drive that I wanted. Um, and it, literally the server kept crashing, which probably isn't usability, but I couldn't use the site. And I, I still bought it because I wanted that price and I'm, I sort of understand that I have to like hit reload and go back to the homepage and put it back in my cart. Um, but the average person is not going to do that, right? Um, and then there's usability for when they're on their desktop, when they're on their lap, uh, laptop, when they're on their iPhone and iPad. So it's really looking at it holistically and saying, you know, can the person use the site, find the content that they want? Because ultimately it's going to impact your bottom line or your newsletter signups, memberships, things like that. Well, we should probably talk about responsive at this point because sure. it kind of embraces multi-screening and... Uh, the stats that I saw when I went to Google's office here in Sydney were that most users, uh, I think it was like, it was somewhere around 85% of people mm -hmm. in a single 24-hour period are going to use multiple size screens. Mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll start something on a phone and finish it on a desktop or the other way around. 
Yep. So Matt Cutts from Google has talked about how responsive is really good for SEO. You won't get any sort of penalties because you're really just dealing with one site mm -hmm. and it's just resizing to whatever device you use mm -hmm. or, or adapting to that environment. The other way that people have approached this is to have mobile-specific sites and uh, can get a little bit more technical there, having uh, essentially two little sites there that you have to... Um, tell depending on the browser which one to use. Do you have a preference? Yeah, so I mean if we if we're starting a real custom project, right? And and this sort of harkens back to what you and I kind of how how this all came about like anybody can just throw up a throw up a theme and turn on either like WP touch or the theme might be responsive and it'll just work. But when you start from scratch and you want to do something that really impacts your business, like if you're a big brand or you're you're making some serious cash, you should start with your design and your usability mobile first, right? You want to design in the mobile browser because if that's where traffic is going and that's where folks are reading your content, absorbing your content, design there first and then expand to the desktop, right? Um, so we, we do responsive with a lot of our stuff, but even that can be tricky um, because like you said, if you wind up somewhere in the world with slow internet speeds um, or you're just your cell phone carrier service is just, you know, not good that day. Um, you don't want to have like this beautiful site that loads up these massive images and then just shrinks them down in responsive view because ultimately it's still loading all that stuff. Right. It's still loading those big assets, those big photos. Um, so there are some ways to kind of tweak that. Um, but it all depends on your time, on your budget, uh, and how deep you really want to go into this. For the most, for the common person, it'll work fine, um, and you might and not. It also, to some extent, depends on what you are selling. Whether you have an informational-based exactly. sort of a blog-style site with uh, audios or videos, or whether you have an e-commerce store or a, a local service, Bingo. chances are a lot, a lot of people looking for your local dentist shop. Uh, or car mechanic, they're going to want the phone number and the address to be really easy to find when they're mm -hmm. using their portable device. They're probably a block away trying yep. to just figure out where you are. So think about the intent of the user uh, when you're thinking about usability. What is the most wanted action that you want to happen and how can you make it as easy as possible? And the number one hack that I've found for most people <laughs> that we've helped is to have them put a phone number on the top of the website. Absolutely. That's like one of the easiest things you could ever do for a, a service site that will increase the use of a website is to make it easy for people to contact you. Yeah, and there's nothing worse. And, and the, the people who are probably doing this the worst that shouldn't be, who should really be listening to us right now, are the folks who own restaurants. Because I, I don't know about where you are, but in the States, the restaurant, restaurant sites are terrible, right? And you're always in that moment where you're like, what's the name of that place down the street? Let's go there for dinner. And then you look it up. There's no phone number. Their menu is a PDF. And then you have to download it, zoom in, like try to find what, what's on the menu. It just doesn't work in mobile. Um, that's a perfect usability f case right there where restaurants just need to have that stuff done right in order for people to consume this information. And I think because they are so geographically dependent, a mm -hmm. restaurant. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's there's really there's not much outsourcing or offsite stuff happening there. Right. It's it's like everything's right local. They tend to ignore it, and they they're the typical site that's going to be built by the kid down the road <laughs> who's <Yeah>. studying uh, <laughs> uh, tech at university, and he'll right. knock up a site for fifty bucks. Yeah, or or <laughs> or a thirty pack of beer. 
Yes, or free meal on Fridays or something. So those sites can do a tremendous amount of damage and they can literally send people to your competitor because people, you know, in the attention age, we don't want to stick around and we don't want to wait for a site to load. And if we can't get what we want, we're out of there. We hit the back and we're on to the next one. Yep. So bounce rate is a good indicator of how easy your site is to or how interesting or relevant it is for people who are landing on it. And you can actually backtrack one step from that into Google Webmaster Tools and you can have a look at the search queries that people are using to find your site and then have a look at the percentage of click-through for that search query. And the ones that are very strong are the highly relevant terms and then you can compare that to your bounce rate and if your bounce rate is horrific, like if, <laughs> if everyone goes to your site and then leaves again, then there are some things you can do to fix it. Usually, it will be to remove some stuff from your site and if you're going to add anything, generally it would be to add something like thumbnail pictures because when we started adding thumbnail pictures to blogs, it was halving our bounce rate because people were enticed to click through mm-hmm. to the blog post because of the picture. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great tip. Okay, so uh, content. What are we putting on our sites? Yep. Uh, so there's ma- many things that people can publish nowadays, which is why I know I love WordPress and why we uh, dedicate work so much to WordPress. Um, this very podcast is publishing content. I've, you know, embedding a video, embedding an infographic, um, a typical blog post, uh, landing pages. Um, it's all about that content and it's all about that unique original content um, that's that only you, uh, the website owner, can produce um, to really connect with your audience, right? And there's a million directions we can go with this, but you know, if you're cultivating an audi- audience and you've got an email list and you've got a following, um, you're sharing this content with them. They love it. They consume it. They share it with others, um, and you know there's many ways to do it. I, it goes like what to you what you said before. It depends on what you're selling uh, or what your message you're trying to get out there. Um, if it's web marketing stuff, you better be cranking it. <laughs> you better be keeping up with us. Um, that's it. Well, that's pretty much the course that I published. Is yeah. um, the whole the whole thing is about where do you come up with ideas? Mm-hmm. How do you actually make the content? How do you put it on the site? And then once you put it there. How do you let people know that it's there? But you know the very fact that this podcast has come out of someone else's podcast and then and, and literally leaped out of the discussion comments. People do interact. There are real connections made, mm-hmm. and things happen as a result of publishing content. Mm-hmm. And you know it gets perpetuated. And then you can sort of really stretch that content by ha- having uh, broadcast to your database and let them know that it's there and, and they keep going back and then they might share it as well. So it's important to, to um, put some little uh, call to actions around your content like social sharing requests. Those things can help you get your website picked up into the mainstream sites like Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn and Pinterest and Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you could ask people to buy something or to call you or to uh, download a report. What are some of your favorite call to actions? Uh, sort of my favorite call to actions and stuff that's actually been working for me a lot lately is um, actually putting in my blog posts as, as part of the content is subscribing to the newsletter and just like writing that in as a sentence. Like if you really like this stuff, please share it or subscribe to my newsletter. And I think... 
what I'm seeing now is that's converting a little bit better than like the typical newsletter call to action that's after my post because people are like reading it and as they're reading it, they're like, yeah, you're right. I did like that. And they just click it and they want to sign up just little, little tweaks like that um, is super important. And before we get, uh, and, and one more thing on the content, all your old, and I'm sure you, you tell this to everybody, all your old content is so valuable that people should be you know, resharing that or repurposing that content because you put a lot of time and effort, right? Into creating your good content. It's great to promote it, you know, three times for that, that first day that you publish it, but don't forget to like republish it in 30 days, 60 days, a year from now. Um, use that content um, to promote again um, because you put a lot of effort into it. Well, give us some techniques on how you would republish that. Yeah. So, I mean, the typical process for me anyway is you, I publish uh, a new podcast or a new post, then I'll schedule it out for the week right through my Buffer app. Um, but then what I might do is, so I interview a lot of WordPress folks. So what I'll do is I'll every month or so or two months, what I'll do is I'll just look at my Google Analytics, see what my top interviews were that, that folks were interested in. Um, and then I just put them in a, you know, three best uh, web designers for WordPress. And I'll put that out there and those with my three top podcasts. Or uh, what I'll do sometimes is create a collection, um, a series, if you will, of interviews that I've done and say, okay, here's the six, uh, here's six hours worth of, you know, marketing your WordPress business or launching a digital product through WordPress. And I'll just create this little collection, make a unique post, link to all the old resources, and just put it out there as fresh content. And that'll help spin those, spin those old pieces back up again. Sweet idea. I also pay attention to uh, Facebook. I see when people are resharing my posts. There's yep. one post that just keeps popping up all the time. It's like a how to design a perfect training planning schedule. And, and the, the picture on the post sort of tells the whole story, but it's such a simple framework for planning out training courses. And everyone loves this because most people in my space are creating info products or free giveaways. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do is uh, we use a plugin that finds the highest converting posts and it keeps featuring them on the sidebar widget. So rather than just the most popular ones, it's the ones that have the most opt-ins because they seem to be quite relevant. Cool. So that's quite a nice little optimization. Yeah, that's awesome. The other, the other one is uh, we do a weekly summary. So because I'm putting a fair bit of content out, maybe three to four posts a week, I have a weekly summary. and in our normal sort of email list, at the bottom it says, you know, click here if you'd rather just get a weekly digest. And then once a week, we gather up all the posts and we make it a weekly summary, which links back to all of the week's posts. And then I send one email to the weekly segment. So they've tuned their email frequency to what they want to receive and then they get the, the bunch of posts and it drives people back through the blog and then we retrofitted the whole blog for the last couple of years with the weekly posts. So we've added another... 60 posts or more yeah. um, to the blog, just fatten it up. And so far, we're up, up to an enormous amount, like thousands and thousands of index pages and, and uh, seems to be working quite well. What do you tell your clients who look at you and they say, oh my God, I have to blog? Like, I have to write, does that mean I have to write like 4,000 words and like, you know? Oh, no, it's real easy. (laughs) We just say, head over to uh, linkjuice.com and order a package. (laughs) We write, write, uh, what we do is we write 
nine uh, articles and we give them three or we put them on their site for them and then we use the other ones to promote the ones that we wrote. So, like we, we actually, uh, from our web development shop, we've added a content. So we've added hosting but we've also added content. So now we actually illustrate pictures because nice. we're big into image marketing, especially with Pinterest and Facebook. It's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And we write articles and we write press releases and we um, – We'll illustrate things and make infographics and stuff. So we've really we've become aware that your average customer does not want to create a scrap of content. Mm. Um, the other thing is you can interview customers and then have it transcribed. So for a dollar a minute with somewhere like Rev.com, if you could take an hour of content from a customer and have it transcribed, you can really chop that up into several pieces and have it illustrated. So it's, a, it's an easy way to, to get content. And all of my podcasts, we transcribe every single word of it, uh, except for Think at Get. I transcribe all the super fast business ones and all the freedom motion ones. And that is giving us a lot of text content. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my uh, content call to action tip. At the end of each post, you put a... Um, download the PDF opt-in and for me uh, when I removed my end of post subscribe to the blog one which wasn't getting too much action and put the PDF that thing can get 70 or 80 percent opt-ins it's absolutely phenomenal how relevant it is because it's relevant to that post and there is a huge chunk of the community even if it's not you or me who want to read these PDFs and I secretly suspect that they probably print them off. (laughs) I think they're printing off the post even though I'm talking about a post where the whole thing is transcribed word for word in the post. People still want the PDF and the opt-ins for that are nuts. Wow. That's a good good one. That's a great one. I learned that from Clay Collins and, uh, and I do use lead pages for that but it's very simple to do. So, um, talk about value like people at the site I think a lot of uh, sites seem to be very customer focused uh, mm-hmm. um, sorry very very website owner focused rather mm-hmm. than customer focused and they they're all talking about um, us we our welcome to our site we're amazing we won this <laughs> award we're fantastic and like uh, hello, right. you actually have a customer, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I know when I started off, um, before we spun up our uh, WordPress agency, and when I just started blogging, I was like, hey, you know, back then I was following Chris Brogan, and I still do, um, and uh, a few others. And I remember starting off, and I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to blog about being a web professional, like do things professionally on the web. Well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. It means everything, actually, because you can be talking about every aspect of the web or technology, and sort of that's what I was doing. And until I shrunk that down, I said, okay, I'm going to talk just about web professional, uh, professional web design, and then brought that down even further and said, now nah, I'm going to talk about just WordPress, and then I'm going to just interview WordPress entrepreneurs, people who are running WordPress businesses, and then letting the folks know that when they land on the site that this is a show for WordPress entrepreneurs, people who are either building a WordPress site, um, service site, or theme site, or plug-in site, um, and relaying that information clearly um, that what you're going to get out of this is learning how other people do it so that they can help you or so that it helps you. Uh, and sort of that's where I'm going. It's always in flux for me anyway. Like I'm always like tweaking it and always thinking, okay, how can I change this value proposition so that I convert a little bit better? How do I reach more people so that they join my mailing list, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm not really even monetizing that site yet, 
Um, but it's in the works and, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's always, it's constantly refining. Um, but definitely making it clear that, Hey, this is not just about your accolades and what you've built. Um, but that it's, there's some value here for the people visiting the site. Yeah. So the, the quick uh, action step for most people will be to figure out who their customer is. Uh, I like to especially figure out who the customer with money is. who has a big problem that's keeping them awake at night and then to focus a solution on that. So, and usually they just appear. It's like when we were handing over sites to customers and they slowed down. Well, it's like really obvious to us. Well, hang on. They need a better hosting solution and we're in a great position to do it. Because mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't want to do their plugins and backups and stuff. So why don't we just say, hey, you know what? Why don't we just leave it with us? Join up this subscription and we'll take care of everything on your site for you. And they're like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. So, um, And I also like to be paid for stuff. So I, I wouldn't want to be going too long until I monetize something because uh, there's so many huge problems out there where customers are willing to throw money at it uh, that we move pretty quickly like we'll we'll um, be like a heat-seeking missile onto <laughs> the customer's problems and there's a lot of ways you can find out stuff in a more subtle way than the formal survey which is just little things like having a PS in your email and say hey uh, PS I respond to emails because it's quite rare. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are hiding away from the customers if they never wanted to speak to someone who could possibly spend money with them. Mm-hmm. And they reply back and they, hey, do you know where I could uh, get a, a copywriter or do you know of a, uh, you know, what conversion tracking software do you use and all this sort of stuff. And it leads to discussions that can give you great ideas for content which you can then put back onto your website and address a whole group of people who probably have the same concern and that may give you affiliation offers it might give you product ideas for yourself uh, or maybe just help your community and they keep opening your emails it's a good trade-off and, yeah. and you become valuable to the audience because you're solving their problems mm-hmm. absolutely totally agree so it's all wordpress for matt yep all 100%. I used to be a Drupal shop, but I don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everything's WordPress uh, for us. Um, you know, we live it, breathe it, eat it, all that fun stuff. And, um, you know, doing it right, is like it's such a low barrier to entry. And uh, it's it's one of those things that's great that it's free and it's, it's accessible because that's what's allowed it to um, you know, power 20% or more uh, of the internet. Um, but then it's also dangerous, right? Because, you know, as you and I know, being in sort of the web marketing space, you see this stuff where, um, hey, things aren't being designed properly or there's no care. You know, one of the biggest things that we see is folks will find these free themes that they love and they just can't use them. They don't know how to use them. And then when they want to customize them, the code is terrible. They bring it to us and they're like, can you help us with this? We're like, no, this is not only is this terribly coded, it's not going to scale well when you start doing e-commerce. And, you know, sometimes, hey, look, this is like, there's some malicious stuff in here. There's like a link tracker. People are tracking the, the, the use, um, the traffic to somebody's WordPress site, that kind of thing. Um, but WordPress is scalable, can do a million things, publish content, turn a business site, e-commerce site, media site, can do everything. Uh, web applications, mobile applications. Um, it can power a lot of stuff. And it's just, I'm happy to be in the space um, because we're still, the WordPress community is still growing and so is the software, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think um, WordPress is it's just a joyous thing to work with. And interestingly, I used my before I was a WordPress fan, I'd actually come up I have no web 
development skills at all. So I was using WYSIWYG builders mm -hmm. like Excite Pro. And I was a big affiliate for that. And at the point where I realized WordPress was um, really getting strong, I just turned off a, an affiliate campaign that was making me a lot of money because I didn't think it was the best solution anymore. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, it was annoying that there was a free solution that was better. But at the same time, I, in my uh, typical fashion, I found a way to get in front of it again and, and be able to help people go to that next stage mm -hmm. because any generally a, a free WordPress site that's put up there that hasn't had any effort put into it is not something anyone's going to buy from or pay attention to and you, you don't have to look too far to see how nice some of the top celebrities and um, bloggerati sites look. Mm -hmm. They are pro sites and there's a reason for that. It, the effort and the return on investment is certainly there. Now, all of my front door sites are um, custom made. All of our web development sites, our sales sites for the coaching and community, the mastermind, the affiliate sites, they're all hand done and that's because we have specific objectives and it's worth it. Mm. Uh, the good thing is that there's a lot of people who can um, supply components for it, which I think reduces the overall cost compared to what websites used to cost five or ten years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at, I'm glad you brought that up because that transitions well, the probably the, the space that most people are familiar with, maybe Pat Flynn, smart passive income, right? And sort of what he, what happened to him when his WordPress site got hacked was, I mean, he lost $12,000 while that site was down. Um, you know, and, and that's a perfect case study. He wrote the blog post. He wrote how he didn't have the backups and maybe he had some plugins in there that he wasn't paying attention to. Um, and that's when it really matters, right? Everything's fine until that happens. <laughs> and you're, all of a sudden you're like, I just lost 12,000 bucks because I wasn't keeping tabs on this stuff. Um, you know, we've, we've been on some... Well, it's also, it's because he's like a one-man band. Right, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It, it does fascinate me how championed his business model is when it's essentially a single affiliate product driving the majority of the profit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not even a good product now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So he's super single source dependent. And uh, that it's such a metaphor for having a robust and established. Like we do triple backups. Yeah, <laughs> we we back up to the server, we back up to Amazon S3, and then we back up to a completely separate company like um, an offsite Guardian backup. Yeah, so it's not cheap. Yeah, I think I spend more on my Guardian backup each month than most people would spend on a dedicated server. But it means that we can be in business. It's going to cost me. A lot more than twelve grand if we go offline for a few days. So yeah. I, I think that um, put your put your focus where it needs to be as a business owner and get rid of any single point of sensitivity. That's why, for example, when we update plugins, we actually will take the site to the test server and update them and make sure there's no conflict, and then bring it back because mm -hmm. we want to. We want to just uh, simulate what's going to happen in advance. Yeah. And, you know, there are, we've been on some pretty large projects before and most notably sort of the, re, the TechCrunch redesign when they redesigned um, about a year and a half ago. And their WordPress hosting is WordPress VIP, right? Which is by the automatic, which is the parent company of WordPress. And I mean, that hosting platform, you have to get, you can't just install a plugin. The team at automatic has to approve it before any code gets by. Um, you know, but 
that hosting is a quarter of a million dollars a year <laughs> to keep that site up and running um, and to keep those people on the hook to, um, you know, watch that stuff. So like I said, it could be that one man band, you know, mom and pop shop who's on like a GoDaddy and, you know, breaks down. They have to find GoDaddy, but it can scale all the way up to TechCrunch and VIP status. It's it's infinite on how big and how small it can be. So one of the important things is as your business scales up, that's when you need to yes. think, well, what what's the next level of... Uh, protection, what's the next level of professionalism that I could dial into the business? Because like we all probably start out as a one-man band at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> falling asleep with the keyboard, you know? Yep. Like we, we've all been there and I, I think that's my, that was the main point that led to this whole thing in the beginning. Yeah. There, there is a very low barrier to entry. It doesn't mean that that's the best path and for some people spending a, a few hundred or a few thousand dollars can make a big difference in the early days and then remember to uh, reinvest some of that back into professional design, professional hosting and um, pay attention to your, your brands and the way that people are perceiving and you've got to keep lifting the bar, you know, at some point you've got to go get professional photos and stuff and, and make your site look like a site that people really want to be involved with and, and that they aspire to and that resonate with. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, that's like you said, it, that's how it kind of sparked in the in the comments. I, I think I, I told Jamie, like if if I, if she launched eventual millionaire and I launched eventual billionaire, but I spent, you know, 5000 bucks on making our, our site look better or better call to actions or mobile apps and all this stuff. And we all had, you know, all things being equal, the same amount of traffic, people would probably tend to convert better on a, on a better design site. Um, but like you said, if you're starting out at 2.30 in the morning, yeah, you, you can do triple backups just like James and his company does. You can back up locally to your computer. You can back it up to a USB stick. But just know when you're doing a million dollars a year on revenue, you'll have to have that same concept, but just bigger and better. <laughs> uh, you know, on, on the internet, on S3, on an offsite location, uh, with a team ready to help you uh, so that when it does break down or you need to install some kind of new function, you've got a, a well-equipped either developer or designer to handle that task. And, you know, you're not going in there cowboy coding at 2.30 in the morning anymore, just, you know, throwing in HTML and CSS at will. That's it. And it's not really a question of if, it's just a matter of when you're going right. to have those, those hiccups. It's just the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, well, okay. Well, it's been really good to to chat. I think we've covered off some good tips. We certainly threw in some nice uh, extra bonus conversion ideas there. I really liked your idea of repurposing the content by mm -hmm. getting the, your best of and grouping them back into a, a new post. And also, you mentioned scheduling uh, the syndication of it with your buffer app. So that was a really handy tip there. Yeah, you can also schedule uh, your stuff, and you might know this already. With ed there's a plugin called Edit Flow, which is free in the WordPress repository, and that just sets up a uh, 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 editorial calendar for your WordPress posts. So if you have a team of people creating posts for you, uh, or a marketer creating posts for you, you can actually go in and schedule everything, see it in a calendar view. You can leave comments on the post like, oh, you know, that didn't, that didn't really resonate with me. Can you, you know, add this or please add this photo? You can do those kinds of things, which is really cool. And that's a free plugin. Oh, that, that'd be great for um, a larger business, I'm sure. Yep. Well, all right. Uh, so there you go. Check out Matt at uh, mattreport.com and my site, superfastbusiness.com. I'm James Schramko. You've been listening to James and Matt. Yeah, it's a weird kind of dual 
show. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do this again. Yeah, we'll it was check fun. The comments and, and see how we go. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, thanks, James. Thanks for connecting with me and thanks for doing this. It's all right. Thanks for um, shitbagging my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Never. It's fine. No, Never. I, res I respect your passion and uh, we're on the same page. It's, you know, you're, I, if it makes you feel any better, you are not the first one that this has happened to me with. There's some other marketers out there. And just to give people how this sort of all happens, like I said the same thing to a marketer who published a book. His name's John Morgan. He published this book about web design and his website sucked. And I called him out on it on Chris Brogan's blog. And he sent me an email and he said, you're absolutely right. My website does suck. I just don't have the time to do it. And I ended up re redoing his site, creating a theme out of it and selling the theme. And we've been good friends ever since. <laughs> Very cool, yeah. Well, there you go. So that's that's the ones who actually want to um, follow up and and take on a little bit of uh, a challenge. Uh, the ones who get the results. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate uh, making the connection and you reaching out for the with your passion. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right, James.